this one's about. It's about the world he goes around in. It's about the big music and the big trouble and the big twenties. So when they ask you, tell them this one's about the... It has got to be the most difficult November I remember. And it turns out that of all the Spartans, my 20-point loss in the city council race was one of the closer Spartan contests that we have seen this month. And of course, I don't blame Mark Fellhauer because he had nothing to do with it. I do blame Sean Windsor because he's been at every one of Michigan State's losses this year. And he was the only guy there that I think probably contributed to their loss. I have a couple, a couple thoughts. Uh, my, unless you count the 22 working? supermen playing in gray and scarlet uh, on last Saturday. But, uh, first of all, it's, glad, it's nice that you took your sunglasses off. Secondly, you've got, uh, you're, you're wearing a t-shirt that says Ann Arbor. What the heck is going on? Uh, this is uh, my Pinball Pete t-shirt. When I ran for city council, uh, it turns out one of the things that hurt me was there was a perception I was a tough guy. So I thought, let me get a pink t-shirt that says Ann Arbor on it. And there's <laughs> nothing that says not a tough guy more so than a pink t-shirt. We got a couple of guests here that are, that one, <laughs> one's from Ann Arbor. The other one went to the University of Michigan. We got a big football game this Saturday that involves Michigan. Are you going to root for Michigan? Not to mention you live in Ann Arbor. I grew up I, there. You, exactly. And you went to school there. Yeah. You're on the wrong side of things, ML. What? You're surrounded, man. That's what I, that's what I said. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be like all the guys from Ann Arbor. I'm soft. So that's why you're wearing the pink. I got oh, the pink t-shirt. No, this is a this is a t-shirt I got because I contributed to the, I think it was GoFundMe, whatever it was, the crowdfunding thing to keep Pinball Pete's in East Lansing open. And the one in Ann Arbor, which I used to hang out with, uh, hang out at back when I used to go visit my friend who lived on Olivia, uh, right near Barron's Park, which we were talking about before That's the show. That's the street I grew up on. I lived on Olivia, too. <laughs> wow, look at that. He doesn't even have a mic, and we can hear the voice. Uh, that's, the voice. Uh, that's Laith. Al Saadi, uh, this homeless guy with a guitar who just showed up here. <laughs> Apparently, some people that. think he's pretty good on this thing. We're going to see what he can do on the axe a little bit later. I just want a cheese sandwich. That's right. And uh, <laughs> preferably probably like Havarti or something because it is Ann Arbor. And then uh, this guy, John Rutherford, who, um, I don't know, he's going to blow his own horn because he's also <laughs> blowing it for Jill Biden um, for the Temptations. And uh, Wait, Havarti? That's somebody that doesn't knows nothing about food, trying to act like they're making a joke about food. But anyway, go ahead. So it's been a while since we've had an Epicurean Dick on the show. Uh, we can scratch that box off now. But uh, Sean, what what food? What cheese should I have said? Since oh I can't. God, say God you're gonna make me keep doing this with the mic. What's that? <laughs> exactly. What what cheese would have been appropriate? Or just make, not make the joke at all. Emmerdale. Oh, that's a little better. Everything's a joke. Yeah, I just I unless just, you make it joke. 
That's true. Then it's not a joke. Wait, what about, is he making up Jesus? God, that voice. <laughs> that got, from no, Undy? He, he's not making Undy. up Jesus. He actually makes cheese. From from Undy would be good? There That's you your go. favorite cheese? Yeah. Okay. That was a good one. So uh, let's get the let's get the, uh, let's get get the the mic in front of the talented people. Laith El Sadi, thanks for coming on. You may have seen Laith on The Voice. You're going to see him on our live broadcast, which if you're not watching us live, you can see the replay on Facebook page, ML Elric, ML No Periods Elric, or on YouTube. This is the first time we're broadcasting on YouTube. But Laith is here not just because uh, we like to have talented cats on the show for a distinct change of pace, but because he's going to be playing at the Cadu Cafe next week, right? Is it coming up? December 3rd and 4th. December 3rd and 4th. So uh, so we're going to have Laith on in just a minute. But uh, I actually want to hear a lot more about Laith and his career, but these guys insist on talking about college football, which uh, I haven't seen good college football in a little while. So, <laughs> How was your trip to Columbus? Columbus is a beautiful city. There's a lot going on there. Uh, I, uh, I think I was the only Spartan who showed up ready to play, but uh, the coach didn't put me in. And I uh, love that stadium. I think it's a remarkable stadium. It's great. It's yeah. a weird stadium because they built a stadium around a stadium. So when you mm-hmm. go into it, half of it feels like an amazing place, and the other half feels like some shit they just bolted on the outside. So how well, is that's that? not really true. It's 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 not true at all. It's a horseshoe stadium that's been there since they built it, and then they filled up one end zone. But go ahead with that nice math. <laughs> Okay, I thought I would say something without Sean jumping all over, but I did. We'll just put that on my... Quit there, exaggerate. There are new parts of the stadium. Yes. On the outside. So when you walk into and it... it's not like Soldier Field where they put a spaceship around the original stadium in Chicago. Okay, so it's not. Okay. What do you want to talk about, Sean? What you got, buddy? We got another, got another love, $45 love, pie question? I love how you needle them. You've been waiting all week for another... I've been waiting all week. Yeah, like piece. I've been waiting all week for this. Yeah. So as a Spartan, okay. though, can you get excited for the real game, the real football game that's coming up this weekend, Michigan-Ohio State? Does oh, that absolutely. Have does, any... Does Pence, what? what, what? I oh, not the land-grant trophy contest. Will I mean, you be rooting for the Wolverines? That's my question. No, he won't. This no, Saturday. Won't. No, I won't. No? No. Why not? They're dicks. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. You realize our guests here are Michigan grads. And Mark, your producer, who makes this show possible, is a Michigan grad. Was oh, that Mark? You're saying all three of them are dicks. <laughs> No, but they're not on the team. They don't. They don't play for that that crazy coach. By the way, you don't play for your for states. What are you talking about? Hey, here's the deal. Oh, okay. Here we go. Lesson, here's, here's lesson time. Yeah. <laughs> Sit down. Now I'm going to try and get through this sentence without Sean. Yeah, you know what? Uh, when uh, when uh, Dale Rogers called Michigan Aaron arrogant asses he nailed it he cut co- he covered the whole thing he he pinned it right there the reason why when spartans go to uh south bend when they go to columbus when they go you name it they don't get a hard time is because they don't go in there acting like they're the big time they're the big stuff even when they're not and the reason why people from ann arbor meaning what michigan the, what students the attitude go in there you guys and have. swing it no no that's hey, we're the only team uh that's beaten ohio state by the way from the big 10 in uh in the horseshoe it can, i can call it the horseshoe right or should i call it ohio stadium is that the proper term sean Either i just want to make sure i don't want to disappoint you or upset you in any way whatsoever with Either the factual one. statements that i make but yes so um so what ends up happening is when you go out walking around like you're number one when you're usually not even ranked people really get fed up with you and uh those people include folks like me who are sick of the Michigan arrogance that continues even when they have a season where they're not stinking it up, finally. So, let me just say this. I grew up 
believe it or not, a Buckeye fan. Born in Columbus, dad, whole family, Buckeyes. That's the way I grew up. So I, I grew up a Wolverine fan until I started going to games. So I've been to Michigan Stadium in full Ohio State gear when I was a kid. Not a fun experience. I've been to Columbus as a Michigan fan. I've been to Notre Dame as a Michigan fan. And I've been to East Lansing as a Michigan fan. And there's one place I will absolutely never go back to because of the way I was treated. Uh, I'll let you figure out which one. Your mama's house? Yeah, exactly. That's why. That's why. I will, no, no, I will not go to see, East Lansing anymore. But this as is a the thing. Fan, you sad. guys come rolling like chumps, and so you get treated like chumps. Spartans travel, not, not and we're other, glad to be the there, and people places. treat you like, hey, welcome to town. Have a good have a good time. You know where to go after the game. You want a beer, you want a brat, whatever. It's it's much more convivial. Oh, no, I, I just think it's because Ohio State doesn't see you guys as a threat. Exactly. It, it's a, and not <laughs> only you, that. There, said not it. only that, it's a persecution <laughs> complex, right? I mean, that's what Ohio State <laughs> has, and Michigan State has it to a lesser degree, but it's the same thing. It's a chip on the shoulder. There's a there's a self doubt. It's a question of self worth, really, and you don't have it. You look on so face. you assume that everybody else is arrogant because you're 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 looking inward and not seeing enough. Is that what they taught you in Ipsilano? And I'm not a Michigan guy yeah, at all. No, I'm I just know. saying you're more green and white than yellow and and uh, urine and and oh, blue. I just I've been around enough folks like you, you know. So I'm the arrogant really... one. Okay, <laughs> uh, I'm the one who talks about which is the right cheese to mention. The tone. Of <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, look at the expression on your face and the tone in your voice right now. I just, uh, if you really knew anything about cheese, you would. That's not arrogant. I mean, come on, dude, you fit right in there. In uh, I don't know shit about cheese. Country. I'm just saying, you know, Havarti was popular in the '90s. But go ahead. <laughs> So that entire statement contradicted itself, but that's okay. You actually know when cheese was popular, but don't. you don't know anything about cheese. I just cheese. threw that out there. I have no idea. <laughs> okay, you let's know. get to Lathe hey. as soon as possible. Oh. Barney came to its cultural prowess in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> the guy that knows about cheese. As, as the proprietor of the uh, of the uh, Cadu Cafe, I'm assuming that, that, uh, that John would prefer a nice Gouda or something like that. Smoked. <laughs> <laughs> I like all cheese. There you go. There, I'm done. There's a man of the world. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I guess we were talking about football um, before we got into a cultural debate, which is no reference to cheese being part of a culture. But uh, So you guys, the, the Wolverines over there feeling like big stuff, you guys got something to say about next weekend before the massacre? I, I would like to know what our guests think about the game and do they, you know, what are they, th- there's no way y'all thought this was coming back in August or September, right? No, man. I mean, I, I have to say, you know, that I'm looking forward to it. This is what it all comes down to. And the fact that we're really playing for the, you know, the championship is kind of yeah. crazy at this point. So, I mean, I, I've got to say, you know, as, as an Ann Arbor kid born and raised that um, I, I've had Harbaugh's back. And I think, you know, the one thing about Michigan fans is they're really rough on the coaches right away. It's like we never give ample time for anybody to develop their style of play or deal with getting their recruits in. And, you know, uh, I'm happy to see that Harbaugh's on an upward trajectory anyway. So I, I, I hope this it's about time put some shit to bed. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think they gave him seven years to make his stamp on the program. The thing is, man, he's the hardest one to make a case that he's not a diehard Michigan guy. Not only is he Ann Arbor born and raised, but, I mean, I, I remember him leading our Wolverines to some – you know, pretty good seasons. I mean, so the thing is, it's like also he came back to college football after being a very successful coach in the NFL. It's like, I don't know how much you can try to blame on Harbaugh, but he's he's a harder coach to, to blame than Rich Rod was. And even that was just completely unfair what we did to him. This is what's funny. Sports is so short-sighted. If he were to pull out an amazing victory this weekend, you know, an underdog victory, 
It's all forgiven. Absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely. all forgiven because that's just how sports works. Well, this is his chance for redemption, but as it is, we end we end another season in the Big Ten East with Michigan potentially playing for third place. I mean, well, it's if also, they lose, they'll be in third place in the Big Ten but East it's also, again. you know, that, that narrative's out there because they haven't beaten Ohio State, and it's deserved. But this is the third time out of six years that this game has been played for the championship, to, yep. go, to go to the championship. Uh, Michigan was going to go to the championship uh, in the, the game they lost in Columbus, right? Uh, but what was the other one where they played and uh, that was on the line? Well, 2016, and I want to say, was it 20... Help me out, Sean. 2019, I think, yeah. Both were on the road. Both were in Columbus, so it would have been 2018, 16 and 18. And the guy who's come closest to beating Ohio State is Brady Hoke. Wow. Sure. Your San well, Diego I mean, closest. Oh. state coach. Hoke did beat him. Yeah, he beat him in... Uh, uh, or was that re- yeah 2011 his first year so yeah mm-hmm. when was the overtime game that was in Ann Arbor right no that was it. oh the- Sean you're way off mic Sorry. <laughs> here <laughs> the overtime game was at Ohio Stadium was the it J- the JT Barrett right no no the one where Hoke went for it to try and get two. Oh, that was in the that Michigan was in Stadium that was yeah. okay okay I think that was the best Michigan Ohio State game I've seen okay you're a dick Let's talk about other than the App State. Talk game. about something. That was my favorite one, but Ohio State didn't play that one. So okay, so you guys want to talk about football? Uh, take it away, boys. Well, you're being so cocky about it. No, I'm I'm ready to. No, I'm not being cocky. Michigan State got smoked. Michigan State looked like uh, they didn't deserve to be in the same uh, division of football. Yeah let alone uh, be playing for their own shot at another trip to Indianapolis where they've gone and been quite successful, by the way. And it might happen to Michigan this week, so I'm going to enjoy making fun of you for this week because that's sports. Well, I don't know how I enter into it. We got smoked, and our season is now uh, We're the last, much. We how, many games, how many State, games have you been to this year? Me? Yeah. Uh, I've been to two halves of games. <laughs> how they do in those two I've halves? To, they won both of them. They uh, and I went to Purdue where they lost, and I went to uh, Ohio State where they lost. So you're two and two. Yeah, okay, that's not bad. Well, you could even say you could even say I'm one and two because they won the two halves. Okay. that I attended. So that's what it has to do with you. Oh, so so because you're you had Michigan two is excited trips. that Ohio State's coming to town with a chance to win the Big Ten championship because I watched Michigan State get smoked. No, I said this road. week I can make fun of you about it because oh. next week you'll probably just dish it back to me because Ohio State will probably I, win I, by I, I, 15, I probably won't. 16, I'm just not that interested points. in Michigan football. I just haven't found oh, yeah. it to be interesting for a long time. Okay. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. I mean seriously, we only talk about it when you guys bring it up. You guys did a whole show on it and that was after Michigan State won. So I mean, you guys want to talk football? Let's go. We got a sports writer here, and Sean. <laughs> I want to talk about late. So I do too. <sighs> After you tell me about uh, a sponsor. Okay, so I guess we were going. Well, I don't know what else. Talk about I don't know what else you want to say about football. football. Now you don't want to talk. We about just football. did. We spent five six minutes talking about football. Now it's time to move on. I don't understand why that's so hard to accept. I feel like you're salty. Yeah. We got guests. Oh, you put your sunglasses on. Good. They're bifocals. Let's get to our guests, they're, please. They're bifocals because I forgot my glasses preparing for the show. It's something you might want to try sometime. Anyway, um, uh, Dave Hubbard. I'm wearing a sweatshirt with your name on it. What more do you want? You, I would say take it off, but uh, people may eat later today. So, And this is the live broadcast. Uh, Dave Hubbard is your, uh, your guy at the butchery. TheButcherySL.com. They're closed Monday and Tuesday, but they will be open this week. 248-682-COWS, 
682-COWS. They've got fresh Amish-raised turkeys, as well as locally-raised heritage birds. When you go to the butchery, you'll find out why Chef Dave and Julie say, don't eat meat, experience it. That's where I'm getting my Thanksgiving turkey. And uh, if you already have your bird, that's fine. They got all kinds of great stuff. They uh, they do special meals. They catered Mark's wife's birthday. They did, yeah. They have uh, amazing meats. They have a great market there. And they just have a great vibe. It's a place where it, it perhaps it's because Chef Julie's a Spartan. Uh, it seems like a wonderful place to do business. And whether you know what kind of cheese you like or whether you like boneless chicken breast or you like something that I can't pronounce, they got it. It's the place to go to make your meals more than just a way to get nutrition. And Chef Dave was just in the paper. Neil Rubin did a big uh, Thanksgiving story, and Dave was all over it. And they also have Rubens there, don't they? Yeah. Are they still yeah, they sandwiches? Do. They do the sandwiches. Yeah, not so Neil. you want Neil Rubin? You want Chef Dave's Rubin? Go to the butchery. The Butchery SL. That's for sylvanlake.com. 248-682-COWS. Chef Dave, happy Thanksgiving. I will see you very soon. And now we are here to shamelessly plug the Cadu Cafe with, uh, with my man, John Rutherford, who is one of the proprietors there. He brought in a special guest today, Laith El Sadi, who I really liked a lot until I found out he was a big Michigan fan. Uh, Laith, thanks for coming in. Um, we can here. find all your shit in the cutout bin at Corvette's Records. Does anybody remember Corvette's Records? No. no. Where's that at? Really? It used to be a big box store where, uh, they used to sell albums, LPs, uh, up on, uh, I think it was at like maybe 10 and Grash. I have a but... feeling, Lath, you spent a lot of time at um, Warehouse upstairs. I, I did, man. Yeah, Warehouse, which yeah. is now a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. I know, and that's sad. And then uh, there was another one. Um, God, what was the other one? There was well, there another... was School Kids. School, school Kids. School Kids. Three yes. different shops. Oh. They had a jazz and classical store, and they had the the pop shop and all that stuff but yeah that it's was all gone school kids and discount records were the uh, tower yeah. tower records tower, tower that was the other that's one right. yeah, south you yeah. yeah that's that's where we'd sit and wait on a monday night for the new releases to come out for tuesday morning or or they both had uh ticket master outlets yep, so you'd get right. your yep. tickets there or at the mall yep. hudson's god yeah i remember waiting for uh rage against the machines album <laughs> <laughs> i think it must have been college oh boy yeah memories what is what is tower now what's in that space uh, well, downstairs in that big mall is Pinball oh, Pete's. Pete's. Yeah. And then I don't actually, it's like offices, I oh, believe. Oh, man, that's sad. Uh, yeah. That's that, very sad. That whole Galleria has been a lot of different, you know, stores, but I mean, not really anything consistent. Spent a anything. lot of time there getting in trouble. <laughs> well, Lath is going to play not a little, Lath is going to play a little something for us, uh, shortly. But first I want to have John tell us about his upcoming appearance at the Cadu Cafe and then get us caught up on what John's been doing because uh, he does play the trombone and he gets around uh, and and plays the trombone. We try and keep <laughs> and his, don't, don't forget the, about the tuba as well. Yeah, we'll keep his loose morals out of this. But uh, but tell us what's coming up at, at the Cadu. You know, speaking of football, though, I, I just licensed oh, um, two, two songs to Fox Sports. The Michigan State fight song, which we played on this show, I think we Michigan, debuted yeah, that nice. on our uh-huh. show. We and owe you 50 and the U of M fight song, so uh, equal, uh, equal, equal for both. Um, but yeah, at the Cadu, I'm really excited. Lath and I went to college together, and he made a, a very generous offer to come do a couple shows. So it's going to be a very intimate weekend, uh, December third and fourth, eight o'clock, right? Yeah. And uh, of course, we have a, a, a big, big uh, evening plan tomorrow with um, Eastside's favorite band super crunch 
a Grateful Dead tribute, which always draws well, and so they'll be playing tomorrow night. And we have bands throughout the weekend. Um, and, and, and and if you're if you're catching this later, um, tomorrow night is actually Wednesday, November twenty fourth. So right, if you missed right. them. You got to check the website. <laughs> yeah, you get you got to check cajucafe.com to see what's coming up. But Lath will be coming this weekend. Is that uh, December third and fourth? December third and fourth. Yeah. Gotta get my cat. Oh, so so we got some time to plan for that show. We do. But how do people get tickets to that, John? Do they just go up to the door or the door? But better yet, would be uh, eventbrite.com. Eventbrite.com. Okay, so that's Friday, December third, and Saturday. December 4th. But in the meantime, John's been gigging a little bit. Tell us about your, uh, your brush with the first lady. <laughs> well, uh, uh, there's, a, uh, an Orthodox wedding band that I, I've played in for a couple decades, uh, led by Rocky Stewart. And, uh, he put together, um, a small orchestra for, um, this, this fundraiser a few weeks ago, uh, where, uh, Dr. Jill Biden was the featured speaker. And I was one of about maybe, 20 people in, in the orchestra, 20 to 25 people. And we just played a few songs with a, a children's choir, and um, it was a, a huge fundraiser. Whitmer was there. Um, said Mayor Duggan was, Mayor our Duggan U.S. Was senators. Prob- I mean, probably one of the biggest head tables I've, I've ever, you know, seen as far as... Uh, in every goes. sense, big heads and a big <laughs> head table. Now, what was the security check like for that? Did you just show them and say, hey, I'm... I'm John Rutherford. Where do I go? Or did you get the cavity search or something in between? <laughs> you know, we, we had to get there early. We uh, about nine a.m. We didn't really, and then we rehearsed all day. Uh, the The event, of course, was in the evening. Um, there were at least how, how, I would say you guys 30, had to rehearse "Happy Birthday." Isn't that a pretty well known tune? Thirty to thirty Secret Service agents stationed about. I tried to go take a little shortcut at one point through the through a kitchen. They, they wouldn't let me. Yeah, that's the Bobby Kennedy <laughs> rule. They don't like you sneaking through the kitchen. It's very, that's frowned upon. So, so then you also had uh, another brush with greatness. Uh, there was a rampant rumor that the Rolling Stones were coming to the Cadu Cafe after their gig at Ford Field. It was. It was. There was. There was some talk. Is there any maybe, truth maybe the to next that? Day. There were some inquiries made. Um, now, what does that mean? Ronnie Wood found. In your dumpster, or what happened? No, it means actually I asked them if they wanted to come the next day and have a party. <laughs> That's it? It didn't come from <laughs> no, them? No, no it, it, it did. Their, their, their saxophone player, uh, Tim Reese, is actually a, um, a U of M grad, another U of M grad, and he's the music director for the Rolling Stones, and uh, he's from Tecumseh, Michigan. Another guy who never went anywhere. He's only playing with the Rolling <laughs> Stones. He couldn't get a gig with the Beatles? Bring um, me Billy Preston. None of impressed. So there, there was some talk, but unfortunately it, it, it didn't uh, pan out, but... Um, Funny enough, then, uh, that Wednesday after, so last week, Wednesday, we had uh, Jack White and his team from Third Man Records came through and had a, a team-building event, and it was really nice to talk with him and meet him for a little bit, and uh, had a real Detroiter come through and, and Feather Bowl, which was which was a lot of fun. They had a, they had a good time. Well, so I, I want to go back to this Rolling Stones thing, because you had mentioned something about to so just keep it on the QT, and then I got a text message from my sister the next day saying, hey, here the Rolling Stones are coming to the Cadre. So, well, I guess... That didn't stay under wraps very much, but uh, how, what are these gigs like? What what happens? Does somebody approach you? I mean, I imagine it's different than preparing for the Secret Service, but I mean, do they say things to you like, uh, 
you know, we're going to need to have special things there for the band. Was the band going to show up? Would just you know, would just it, it be the crew? It, it or? didn't even get get that far. I was just checking availability, and um, they had about fifty people. Uh, I'm not sure if anything actually ended up happening that that next day, but it was supposed to be for the the day after. You know, their next show wasn't until I think uh, Thursday or Friday, so they had a few few days to kill. I'm not sure what they may have left. Who know who knows? I forgot where the what what the next city was, but um. So they didn't tell you anything like, "Hey, you got to make sure that we have you know a ficus tree on every green, table." Green M and M's, no, Nothing, no, none of that, none, none of that, okay. none of that. None okay. Of that. And what about Jack White? Did they call and say, "Hey, Jack's coming over"? Or did you just turn around and there's a dude dressed in black and yellow well, feather bowl? That was that was through your former uh, college student and my grade school classmate uh, Ben Blackwell. Yes, sir, Mister Blackwell from Third Man Records and and Cast Records and Cast Records. Yep, and the the Dirt Bombs and uh, what else? And you name it. Right. But um, so he's currently working on a cure I, for cancer. But. I just love the fact that they have a team building <laughs> event. <laughs> like, you, why would they have a team building? Well, yeah, it's a big company, or you know, they're trying to get a lot well, done. You know, yeah, they have but the, I appreciate the, they do the it at a bar now, and, and yeah. uh, you know, they have people in L.A. and in Nashville, and get together in Feather Bowl. There's there's really no no better way to uh, build a team than how come we haven't had a team fe- building event? ML. Uh, we tried to, but then there was a pandemic, so we canceled it. Maybe, we you, thought, maybe you two old ladies would stop fighting with each other. Are we going to try and do the St. Patrick's Day show again? I'll be there. <laughs> I'm not sure in what shape I'll be, but I'll be there on St. Patrick's the poster, Day. The poster's in the men's room at the uh, at the Kaju. Where it belongs. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> but, but, any, but Jack was really nice, and, and uh, but uh, yeah, that came through through Ben, so uh, um, we, had, we had a fun night. Stayed, stayed open late for him. And I think they've got a couple. He's got a couple of big releases coming out too. So this he, is he does, big, yeah. They, I think they just announced two of them, right? Yeah, two, two or three. So uh, big, big week, uh, big month for Jack White. Um, new releases, uh, pretty cool. But coming to the Cadu, even cooler. So congratulations, Jack White, or Jack Gillis, as he's known back in Southwest Detroit. Was it Jack Gillis or John? Or? Uh, well, I, John, I think Jack's a derivation of john sean would correct me but doesn't have a microphone so (laughs) my favorite part of the show and and now my new favorite part of the show is laith el sadi joins us uh you may have seen laith playing around you may have heard him or if you caught the voice he went pretty far for a local dude who showed up with a bunch of swells from hollywood (laughs) and uh we were talking a little bit before the show about how that came to pass and laith uh thanks for coming on can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up being a a big network TV star. Uh, well, I have been playing around here for years. Um, born and raised in Ann Arbor. Uh, spent over 20 years playing over 300 gigs a year. I mean, six nights a week around town and uh, kind of was getting near 40 and wondering where one might catch a break these days. And, of course, everybody would come to my shows and tell me, you need to try out for this show. And I've never really been big on... The game show uh, stuff, especially when it comes to music, I really don't view music as a competition type thing. And, uh, you know, I, I, and I don't watch these things, but I said, you know, maybe if um, I don't have to cancel gigs and wait around a building for two days to get my audition, you know, if they come to me or if they email me, maybe I'd do it. And uh, lo and behold, that happened. I got a, an email from them in kind of a VIP audition slot. And so I... um Showed up at a certain time uh, at the famous um, United Sound Studios where they recorded, like, What's Going On. And... It's right by Wayne State, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, 
it was not the standard cattle call audition. Like, I mean, I definitely had a time and was auditioning for some people that were important. No, no of- William Hong, no General Larry Platt, no. You mean TV is a lie sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> Never. Shocked. Never. Anyway, so um, it was neat. You know, I was auditioning for um, the casting company that, that does the show and uh, some people that were pretty high up there. And the audition went well, and, and I made it on the show and then ended up um, – of course, being a finalist on it, which those of you that are familiar with me, I mean, I'm kind of a, I studied jazz in school. I've been playing blues and roots rock and roll and classic rock type stuff since since I started. So I don't fit the mold for what that show has. I mean, basically. The, yeah, you look like, more like Captain I, Caveman than a porn star. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's great, though. I mean, your look, your name, very different from what that show usually has. I mean, that's what for sure, man. And I mean, you know, that's, that's the thing on the show. I would get comments from the producers and stuff like that often that, you know, I broke the mold or that they were excited to see somebody bring on music that they cared about. Because of course, you know, I mean, it generally has country and and R and B pop type people that, that, that's really funny because yeah. when you look I'm at- I'm expecting the next Katy Perry to come out of it, not the next Andre Segovia. Yeah, and man, honestly, you know, that show has never had a star. So if you think oh, about really? it- Yeah, I mean, America's Got Talent has uh, the voice just, I hate to say it, but I think it's more about the promotion of the coaches- Of course, sure. Than it is the, the people that are competing. Which is the why show. they get big name coaches. You got it, you who, got it. And rotate them all the time too. And your coach was Adam Levine? Yeah, yeah. I picked Adam. Good guy. Um, good guy. Normal guy, or is he Hollywood? <laughs> Everything's Hollywood. <laughs> Everything's um, Hollywood. Okay. We, you don't get as much time as you would think with them, as far as that goes. But he was definitely a good guy, and he liked me. You know, Adam's a musician, so um, he plays guitar and drums and stuff. And so we'd get done with the song I'd pick for the week, or me running it through for him, and then we'd jam at the end of our little oh. sessions. So I mean, there there were some times where we actually had fun and made a real human connection. Like I think I was one of the few contestants he had on his team that we actually would converse outside of like I would imagine because you're a little older than the usual contestants on that show too right because that was what five years ago six years ago so you know I was probably twice the you know I mean 38 I think I was when I got on the show and and everybody else is like 18 19 see I would think an 18 19 year old would have a tremendous amount of nerves like oh this is my only shot but uh, did you feel that way or it's like I'm 38, man. I, I'm just, you know play, what, man? I'm just going to play. That's exactly where I was at with it. I mean, I was, I was happy I got on it. I kind of didn't figure that I would make it as far as I did, but I figured I already had a career. So w- however long I got to be on the yeah. show, whatever time I got was going to do nothing but bring attention to my career. But being a finalist on it, being able to play with Joe Walsh, you know, I did the end of Abbey Road with an orchestra on the show. I mean, I got to do a lot of cool stuff that I still stand behind because the one thing I didn't do, especially thinking that I was going to get kicked off the show at any point, is I didn't pick music that I wouldn't be proud to bring to the table. Like, I did stuff that I can stand behind even now. And, I mean, here's the real big secret. You can't do well over half the stuff you want to do on the show because that has to be licensable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so, and then there's this other thing about rights that, you know, NBC is a universal company. So there is a vested interest in the universal music group. Exactly. Cause, cause they're promoting their catalog. They get sales off the back of that. Any artist that I choose to cover, if I do a good job on their thing, that artist is making money off people going to listen to their, 
original version of that song because that person hears that song and then goes back and wants to hear the original. You know, so I mean that can put some bucks in people's pockets. And uh, you covered Seeger too. Right? I did. I did. I played piano on, on "We've Got Tonight." I actually auditioned with Seeger too. So like when I when I went and did my three songs, I did. Uh, Night moves. I did with a little help from my friends, and I did fly me to the moon. I never got to do a standard on the show. That was the one thing that like they wanted me to do. But once I had gotten into that kind of classic rock lane, people thought that it would be odd for me being this big burly bearded guy to be singing Frank Sinatra on the show. Well, yeah, yeah. Let's go back to fly me to the. Moon. What did you play for fly me to the moon? Or was it strictly vocal? Fly me to the moon. And let me play among the stars Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars In other words, hold my hand In other words Baby, kiss me Fill my heart with song And let me sing forevermore You are all I long for All I worship and adore In other words Please be true In other words I love you Oh, fly me to the moon And let me play among the stars Won't you show me what the spring is like On Jupiter and Mars in other words, hold my hand In other words, oh baby, kiss me Why don't you fill my heart with song And let me sing forevermore Darling, you are all I long for All I worship and adore In other words why won't you please be true? In other words, in other words, in other words, I love you. I'm very fond of you as well. Yeah, so nice did, you, did you play that just to kind of blow their mind? Like they're sitting here saying, I did not expect to hear that from this guy. You know, I just, it's part of what I do. And I mean, especially growing up around here, as John said, I was playing the Lions pep band, but I played for this guy, Johnny Trudell, who was a, a great big band leader. And he played on all the Motown records, but he kept the big band working and played all the theater shows around town, did a ton of contracting around town. And so, I mean, I, I at 20, getting this chance to play guitar and sing with some of the better musicians around the Detroit area and um, 
I took advantage of that. That's actually part of why I stuck around and went to U of M. I was going to go to New York for school. And then that summer I got this gig with the Johnny Triel Orchestra and applied at U of M and got in there and stuck around. But I knew that was a unique opportunity. I mean, I have always been proud to be from this area and of the history of Detroit, musically speaking. But the thing is, like, I actually got to play in a band with the guys that played the horn parts on Stevie Wonder records, right. on Marvin Gaye records, on all that stuff. And it's, you know, R&B and soul and Motown and the blues have a huge impact on the music that I play. And, of course, the jazz tradition is undeniable in Detroit. I don't know if you're a jazz fan, but, I mean, you know, Pontiac, Michigan, we've got Elvin Jones who played drums for John Coltrane, the Jones brothers, so Hank Jones, Thad Jones are from there, Ron Carter who played bass for Miles Davis and, you know, one of the greatest living bass players. He's from Ferndale, where we are currently, and... Uh, I'm a big Kenny Burrell fan. Oh, man, one of my favorite guitar players. One, one of the best things you'll ever hear at Christmas is a few of my favorite things by Kenny Burrell, and if you've never heard it before, you have to find it because it's just amazing, and I, I don't like that song, and when he plays it, I'm just like... You know, man, Kenny's Christmas a is huge here. inspiration. I mean, what a, what a great soulful guitar player. And, you know, they, he went to Wayne State. He was a cast tech okay. guy. Um, and then, of course, Joe Henderson, who's from Lima, Ohio, uh, went to Wayne State for school here. But, I mean, Bix Beiderbeck spent a lot of time playing around here, was a right. contemporary of Louis Armstrong. And, you know, especially with all the clubs in the cities around uh, – you know, Route 12, that was the main drag between Chicago and Detroit. There were a lot of these oh, theaters and yes. small towns that people would stop in and spend the night, and they'd want to have a nice restaurant and a little theater that had, you know, good entertainment so they could catch those. So like Coldwater, Michigan and places like that. And um, so Big Spiderbeck actually traversed quite a bit along Michigan Avenue and played uh, those theaters and clubs around there. But, there, you know, Michigan really has a great jazz history and music history. And so, again, this is something that, like, I feel like – when you need to make it as an artist that's getting some clout in this town, you move to L.A. or Nashville or New York, and that just totally homogenizes everything because we are a reflection of, like, where we come from, you know, and, and, and your art and your music should be able to be that, and especially when you're proud of that. I mean, especially from Ann Arbor, having Seeger, the MC5, you know, Iggy Pop, as we were talking about. I mean, all these great proto-punk root type music, great rock and roll. I mean, there always has been cutting edge music in many styles coming from Southeast Michigan. Well, and even if you think about Jack White, you know, his music is kind of a throwback, you know, it kind of goes back to honky tonk and to, uh, I, I can see him sitting there with Robert Johnson waiting to sell his soul. You know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, Jack really, as a producer, man, he's done a lot of cool stuff. You know, he did that stuff with Loretta Lynn. And, uh, I mean, I enjoy the rack and tours. I've, I've never met Jack. I'm friends with Dominic, his bass player, Dominic Davis, who, um, used to be in a band called stepping in it, uh, here, but he's a, he's a great guy. And, um, I mean, I think everything I've seen just shows Jack really has a lot of creative ideas and he's allowed to blossom now under that and kind of like, you know, do whatever he wants as an artist, which is, great and probably very liberating for him so i wanted to ask you how long you've been growing the beer but after the performance i want to know about the arrangement of the sinatra song is that your arrangement or is that oh yeah bits and bit okay yeah that's amazing uh, how long Thank does it you. take to put to put together something like that and how do you go about that taking oh, something like that and making it your own you know man 
I think that, well, first of all, that's kind of the crux of the biscuit. It's like if you're going to bother to cover anything, you either have to do it justice or make it your own. And I, I think better to make it your own if, if you can. Um, I consider myself kind of a student of the song. And the song, you know, popular song, is kind of like, I guess, the equivalent of the short stories and writing or something. I mean, it's not concertos. It's not symphonies. It's these little digestible, less than five-minute things most of the time. And, of course... I like the psychedelic era, the kind of mid-60s to mid-70s as one of the great periods in, in the evolution of the song. All the great rock and roll songs I love pretty much come from that time. But then there's this, what they call the Tin Pan Alley era, and, and that's another high watermark of American art. And that kind of is like the Brill building, like the, the people that were writing in New York, you know, the Gershwins, Rodgers and Hammerstein, people that were writing musicals, Cole Porter, Hoagie Carmichael. Uh, that's really like, that's kind of the peak of the evolution of songwriting to that point, And we have such a rich tradition. And so getting to that, you know, Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and Johnny Hartman and Billy Eckstein and <laughs> Ella Fitzgerald and all these people, they used to sing those songs that were from, the popular repertoire of the day. So whether they were coming from a musical or whether they were just something that they put on record that got played on the radio or whatever. And so, um, I guess getting around that, man, I, I try to not restrict myself to styles. If I like a song, I like it and I'll play it and I'll try to mess with it and see what I can bring out of it that would be unique. You know, I first, I think, start by trying to like do it justice and stay close to where the best arrangement or recording that I hear is. But then once I get comfortable with it, I want to make it something that's unique and an expression of something. Being a finalist on The Voice, I think people sitting at home watching, it's like, oh, this is going to open up all these doors. You're going to be a star. And as you said, The Voice really hasn't had that one breakout star. But has it opened up things for you to where, you know, now I'm opening for this guy or I'm working with this musician that maybe you never thought you'd work with? Is there, is there he, got a, the, he got the Kaju gig. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, the real That's truth is, because he's my man, friend. <laughs> uh, they don't do anything to help you out. And so, yes, you get it for a little bit, but the thing is because they do two seasons a year, they don't care about promoting you after you're done. Like once you're off the show, you are not getting any love from them and you're not getting any help in terms of promotions. Really? So, yeah, so I mean. Are you allowed to say from the voice? Uh, not technically. Now, well, have really? they sued anybody for that? I don't know. They haven't, like, I'm not... I don't do it myself. There have been venues that we've instructed to not do that, that they do it anyway. I don't think they've ever been sued by The Voice. I can't see why it would be in The Voice's interest to sue them because that would probably seem like bad press. I mean, I'm sure yeah. it's not bad for them to have The Voice out there like that, but they do ask for you to not use that. And then, of course, again, they're, they're not... Even the winner, man, I mean, they're not really helping get them out on the road. I think at the beginning of the show, they didn't know where it was going to go, and they thought, hey, we'll take the top ten and we'll put them on the road for a tour, you know. So we signed away things that would let them do that. Yeah, but, but then they don't help they don't you. don't do it's anything. very one-sided. They also didn't hold me, though. I mean, I was allowed to start working, and, and I did actually get better gigs. I stopped playing bars and clubs and started playing ticketed 
you know, okay. venues and uh, getting to open for good people, getting nice headlining slots at festivals and stuff like that. And yeah, let's hear some names, man. Let's uh, who, who have you oh, been man. able to hang out with uh, because of it? Well, a great thing, especially with John here uh, playing horns for him. I uh, got to open up for Bob Seger oh, uh, in 2019. That was one of the. That is farewell tour. Just pre, yeah, it was yeah. his most recent farewell tour, yeah. and um, <laughs> I mean, you know, gotten to do a lot of like I headlined the Michigan Theater for four years straight, uh, once a year, kind of turning it into a birthday show. But I mean, that was a huge thing for me to be able to sell out the hometown theater, and of course, you know, selling out all the like we sold out the opera house in Traverse city three times, uh, 20 Monroe live in grand rapids. We got to play the Fillmore in Detroit twice. I mean, definitely the level of gigs that I was playing was a lot bigger. And then of course, yeah, headlined, uh, arts beats and eats of headlined this pig and whiskey festival here in Ferndale for the last, um, I want to say four years. We, we skipped a year last year, but I, but we did it this year out in the cold and rain. Um, and let's see what else, as far as big opening shows, um, Okay, I mean, it, no, no Maroon 5. Kids. No, you know, and that's funny <laughs> enough, man. No contact with Adam, really. And I got to say, props to Pharrell Williams. I was on his last season on the show. And Pharrell Williams went off script with me because he actually was supporting me. He told people to check out my original music and go buy my original music. And he did that on the show. I know he cut flack from it because he wasn't supposed to by the producers. But that week... I had three albums that were out before I went on The Voice. They all went in the top 10 charts on oh, iTunes. Wow. I had a number one blues album for six weeks on the iTunes chart and two weeks on the Billboard catalog right. chart. So, I mean, that transferred over to getting some great gigs. You know, I, I headlined a lot of um, national blues fests. I played in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho for their blues festival. I played for the Prairie Dog uh, Blues Festival in Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin, out in the middle of Mississippi River. Um, I you know, got to play a bunch of city wineries around, uh, the country, uh, which are great venues. Was there any artist or band that was like, Hey, we need a guitarist, uh, money come try out for us. Any of that, any of those doors open? Not really. Would I, you do it? I had a chance to play for canned heat before okay. Larry Taylor died, but they were based out of California and the country. Uh, yeah. 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 And, and I mean, the thing is, I, at that time, I was just you made getting that off your own. the show, oh, and I kind of just decided that I didn't want to. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Go do that. I, I Especially actually, if you had those albums that, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I had a career. I had albums I wanted to promote, and I was getting to, to play some decent venues as a headliner. So so uh, I, I guess I felt like that would have been a step back to go to play 40-year-old material yeah. and just kind of like be on the uh, – yeah, the nostalgia tour where you play yeah. two hits and then and then bang some old chicks. But so, the swirling around the drain tour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so um, when you, you, it sounds like you kind of maybe reluctance putting it too strongly, but you were not dying to get on the voice. But then you start advancing, and now you start getting closer to the. Pro was there a point where you sort of transformed a little bit and said? Oh damn! I might win this thing. I'm. I view this differently, or I've no. got to no. No, it's just, it's just kind of lathe from the beginning, lathe in the middle, lathe at the because end. Because I don't if think I you changed from it. Basically, that's the thing, yeah. man. I mean, like, what good would it have done? Like, the thing is, I wanted to represent represent myself authentically, and I really did not think there was any chance of me winning. Winning. I'm. I was amazed I made it to the finals. I was really happy that I did. But again, they were not going to pick a a forty year old you know classic rock guy 
Wolverine, to, uh, be the Spartan, winner. maybe especially. I mean, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe if I was a Spartan. But I'm just, I'm just thinking. You know, the, every week you're on the show, you're getting more exposure, right? And there's more time that the uh, the judges are spending talking about you. So, like each week is a chance to get some exposure, drive up those iTunes, numbers, yeah, you yeah. know, and try and you know, I mean, it, it doesn't sound like they ever came and said, "Okay, we." Late, we need. If you can do this, we'll, uh, you know, take no, a no, fall in the fourth forest. No, Swan didn't come to you and ask you to sign the contract. I just, uh, sorry, uh, Phantom of the Paradise reference, very obscure. But I mean, no one came to you and said, right. sign this and, and you're going to be. Yeah, we'll make you a star, yeah. Shane. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, no, they did not. And, um, and nobody said, throw it because we want the dude, cute so and so to. No, and listen, I'm so not. Straight up, straight I'm not up, straight say, competition. We don't know. Okay, they they can do whatever they want. It's TV. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. So like hmm. you know, I'm I'm not one hundred percent sure that they knew who was going to win from the beginning of the season, but okay. I would say that that's a definite possibility. Okay, but you if know. they were pulling strings, you didn't feel any jerking. No, um, no. In fact, I felt again some pretty direct approach from the producers that were happy that I was bringing music they loved into the show. I was bringing attention to some good stuff and they were happy to see that. And, uh, you know, I was told pretty honestly, once we got about halfway through the season that I wasn't going to be able to do half the songs that I had asked for because right. of the licensing things. And so that gave me a little bit more of an idea of how to play the game in terms of, you're not really going to be able to pick your song, but you can dig your heels in and guide them to something that you would prefer versus what they're picking for you. Okay. So if I didn't like something, I could dig my heels in and make sure that, for example, I, I got to play blues on the show. I don't really like cheesy blues. I guess blues that is self-referential about the blues, like, hey, hey, the blues is all right. Or I got the blues, the blues. I'm so blue. Yeah, I, I hate that. Oh, blue. And so it's like, I wanted to play Born Under a Bad Sign by Albert King. I got okay. to do that. I got to do The Thrill is Gone by B.B. King. Now, The Thrill is Gone came about after they were asking me to do Every Day I Have the Blues. or and, and I said, listen, I won't do that. But I gave them about five songs that I would do instead of just kind of poo-pooing it. I tried to be proactive and be like, hey, no, I won't do that, but I'll do this. And we generally found some kind of common ground where I felt good about the stuff that I played. And again, man, I mean, I feel proud of the music that i played i think i think i got to represent at least a portion of my real musical love on that show uh authentically you know getting to play joe cocker stuff getting to play beatles getting to play rolling stones getting to play uh peter gabriel well for what it's worth we we're gonna have christina aguilera on but we said she's got no local ties so we bounced her <laughs> for you so that, she really loved me a that lot, already so. made a big difference right there now, before and after the show, have you always made your living as a as a playing musician? I yep. mean, you're not like a car mechanic during the day and then you hit the the clubs at night. No, man, I'm I've been able to make my living since I was 16. I got uh, my license and got the van and was able to drive the PA around. And so my band Blue Vinyl uh, back at Community High School in Ann Arbor was the first Ann Arbor band to put out a CD. Um, and so Ann Arbor High School band to put out a CD. And uh, yeah, all through college, I was playing a lot. You know, I kind of made the transition from jobbing, which I would do a lot of these tuxedo gigs, a lot of the corporate yeah, weddings gigs, and the working weddings, the weekends. Yeah. yeah. And, and I made the transition once I got exposed enough or got enough of a following around to, to be able to play my own gigs. And then uh, from there, 
you know, I just continued to do that. I mean, basically I've got a scalable thing. So I play everything from solo acoustic shows to, uh, you know, full large band things. In fact, it's been great, uh, for my Michigan theater shows and larger shows. I've gotten to bring out the Motor City Horns and right. have, um, a bunch of other special guests come up, um, uh, Betty Lovett's former music director, Al Hill, has played keyboards on a few of those shows. Jeff Trudell's played percussion. Having the horns added is awesome. Uh, brought up special guests from New Orleans, like Brian Stoltz, who played for the Neville Brothers and played for um, Bob Dylan and a bunch of other people. I mean, so it's, I don't know, it's it's cool for me to be able to play solo, to play with my trio, to be kind of... Um, malleable and and able to fit into whatever situations call for because sometimes you know you want to really bring it and have this big band thing but i mean i would say my traditional setting is to play with just the stripped down trio which is drums bass and guitar and kind of go more hendrix cream you know kind of power trio thing with it so and, and do you play as much as you do to keep the lights on just because you you dig playing you know i dig playing man i'm i i unfortunately after the show and kind of getting to playing the higher level gigs, I play less than I used to because I used to work just every night of the week and do a lot of gigs that now it wouldn't make sense for me to play on a Monday or Tuesday night at a theater. You know, if I'm going to yeah. play around here, I got to make sure that people can come to it. So I really have Friday or Saturday night as the only viable options for people to show up to a, to a ticketed show. And so it, it does make it so I only play probably about – three shows a week max, which I used to easily play six to 10. I mean, you know, right. I, would, I would take more than one gig a day if I could. Um, and I miss that because I love playing different kinds of music. I like being a hired gun actually still. And I wish I got more opportunities to play. Like studio stuff or just filling in for somebody who needs somebody Both, man. that night. Okay. Both. I mean, I think that's what I was best educated for, you know, is, is to be a studio musician. I mean, I can, read charts well i can play bass and guitar i'm good at so does bringing that people's do, concepts to life does that drive you nuts when you see like current pop music today that is just a computer and maybe a guy with a microphone <laughs> as someone who has studied music and yeah i mean it does is man. it just frustrating or is it like well that's what it is it's totally frustrating to me and, and i'm you know this is a big argument so i just try to stay out of it but i mean yeah i i believe that music is uh made of melody, harmony, and rhythm. And, and I have a hard time viewing a lot of the modern, what is called music as music, because to me it's like spoken word done to samples and, and you know, kind of like. Well, that's like Drew always says, he goes, are these songs people are going to play, like say, um, like a Cardi B or, or she's a little different, but are those songs you're going to play 20 years at a high school reunion? Right. When look how popular classic rock, blues, um, you know, even R&B, Motown, that stuff is still so popular today, yeah. especially for the live venue. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just frustrating as a music fan that all these popular songs. Yeah, man. But I mean, you know, music education has totally gone down the toilet. So like there is not musical literacy. And so okay. even what I'm talking about, you know, people don't understand. They think anything's music that they would listen to for <laughs> the place of music. And the thing is, as, as somebody that studied music and music theory and stuff, I, I again think melody and harmony are important components to music. And I feel like a lot of what is called music by the young kids today is, is not falling. It's all it's curve. image though, man. It's a but, lot but of, but it's, image. it's like, look, Music is a language, and that's not a metaphor, okay? It really is. It codifies 
tonal yeah. stuff in time and space, right? I mean, now in that there's a bunch of different dialects, it's a reflection just like cuisine is of different cultures, like that music is a reflection of culture itself. And it can be such a beautiful thing to help bring people together if they're open to these things, but it is a craft and we stand on the shoulders of giants as they say or whatever. And it's like, I think a lot of people that are making music today just have no respect for the craft. It would be like if you owned a hamburger stand and made a good hamburger calling yourself a chef, you know, yeah. like, I mean, I'm sorry, but there is a craft to be learned if you care about, but I'll still consume all of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, likewise, no, thing. it's like making corned beef hash and using stuff from Cisco. It's just not the same. It just depends on how good that hamburger is, to be honest. That's exactly it. I mean, you so, can be a chef and make a hamburger. I did have one question, oh, yeah. but before y'all go, can can we get one more song? Yeah, yeah. in fact, well, I didn't. I didn't be, before I didn't we do that, Lath, that I, I just want to ask two things. Um, how did you get through the pandemic as a guy who plays for a living when everything's shut down? So that was really hard, man, and I'm still actually having a rough time because as numbers go up, people are not comfortable going out and I spent a bunch of money recording an album that I still haven't been able to put out yet because I can't tour. Uh, and I don't know when I'll get to the point where I can. I mean, I'm, I'm still not playing enough. Um, and I was one of the first people I knew of to start playing online shows every week. So every Friday I was doing uh, shows from my basement on Facebook Live and all that stuff and trying to get donations. And that started out actually seeming viable, but once everybody was hurting, yeah. um, after about two months of doing that, it just donations started to really go down low. And then there were so many people doing it and it really wasn't viable to, to keep afloat with that. And uh, so, I mean, I, I was um, – for the first time after, you know, more than 25 years doing this for my living and only performing for my life, I was on unemployment. And uh, now I've been off that and gigging enough to be able to make stuff work. But, I mean, I literally had uh, no gigs this month in November. And wow. now in December I've got four. Uh, you know, I, I had a good October. Uh, I had a good September. But, I mean, the months prior to that were really piecemeal too. You know, they started to get together during the summer. I mean, July and August were feeling like – things were going to open up, but as, as you can tell now that we're starting to be indoors more and we're getting into the winter, I mean, the numbers are going up and f as far as COVID goes. And I don't think that's doing anything to help out people's willingness to go out in public and see live music. So, um, I hope that changes. Well, where can people go to find out more about your music and to, to purchase some and, and come find out where they can see you? Uh, well, you can go to lathmusic.com. That's L-A-I-T-H music.com. And if you go to Facebook, if you're on Facebook, my band page is facebook.com slash Laith Alsadi. That's L-A-I-T-H-A-L-S-A-A-D-I. Uh, so facebook.com slash Laith Alsadi. And, um, yeah, if you just Google me, you'll we'll link them all. Find yeah. stuff to listen we'll to put those links on our yeah. website, which is mlsoulofdetroit.com. We'll also uh, put a link to the Eventbrite so you can get tickets to see Lathe in person. Kaju Cafe, December 3rd. Kaju Cafe, December 3rd. That's a Friday and a Saturday gig. Uh, you know, we, 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 this is why I didn't want to talk about football because I knew we had a fascinating dude here. And, and if you, if you get a chance to spend some time with Lace, he's 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 a great guy. Uh, even though he went to that school. 
up north, but um, but uh, insecure. What do you want to? No, that's what that's what they kept telling me in Ohio. By the way, if you're in Columbus, it really doesn't matter after the game because they do this song about something about we're going to screw the whole state of Michigan up. They call it Michigan Week, where they the they play Michigan State and then Michigan, and they get all worked up about it, and that's all great. But uh, but we're moving on from that trauma. Uh, Leith, uh, what's uh, what do you want to play for us before we before we go back to the boring stuff we normally do? Uh. I'm going to do a song off the album that I haven't put out yet. So oh. this is a, a song that hasn't really been released. Uh, I wrote it while well, we had that um, PBS series on the history of country, country music. So it's kind of got a little Western swing influence. And, of course, uh, growing up in Burns Park in uh, Ann Arbor, that's uh, where Ken Burns is from. Mm. So anyway, um, right. but, yeah, that, this, this album had a little bit of um, – it's not country at all, but there's a couple songs that kind of – had the the old school country influence rear its head so uh, this is one this is a cheery little number called like a dead man in the ground <laughs> i don't know how i can go on dear you broke my heart in two i'm trying to keep myself together but it's awful hard to do yeah yeah I think of all the time I wasted Believing that your love was true And when the things got hard to handle You did the easy thing to do Now I sit here all alone, dear Wondering how it all went down I never thought that you would leave me Like a dead man in the ground Well, do you ever think of me now? You know my heart was pure and true And when your days on earth are over the devil's coming straight for you. I sit here all alone, dear Just wondering how it all went down, yeah, yeah I never thought that you would leave me Like a dead man in the ground Well, do you ever think of me now? You know my heart was pure and true and when your days on earth are over The devil's coming straight for you When your
the days on earth are over The devil's coming straight for you I know the Sorry. devil's coming straight for me. He's just waiting for me to kick off. So I'm going <laughs> to try and hang out a little bit longer. Lay, thanks thanks so much for coming in. Cadre uh, Cafe, December 3rd, December 4th. Go see him in person. And you play you play electric as well, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so. We'll be playing electric for that yeah. show, doing it with the band. Um, yeah, man, we can't wait. And, uh, of course, the Cadre is a great staple of the East English Village. And right. uh, I've, I've been there as a patron quite a few times. It's going to be the first time being able to play a gig there and especially after john got it so we're looking forward to it and uh, i will say it's going to be probably the most intimate setting you can see the band in um so you know i would advise the indoors right your tickets yeah oh yeah we're doing indoors. yeah i wouldn't be able to move my fingers they, if they, they got both kinds of cheese there they got edam and they got from under oh that's <laughs> I see they've they diversified the res the the menu over there at the cadre. I'll have to I'll have to study that a little closer before my first shift behind the bar, which is probably coming up right after my first shift behind the mop. So uh, still looking for work. If you need somebody to play spoons, Lake, let me know. I'm available. Awesome. I, I actually do have my own uh, LP out. I was the Gross Point South Jazz Band 1985 edition. It's. Uh, it's there's some pretty shoddy horn work in there somewhere that I may be responsible for. But Laith, thanks for coming in. We'll have thanks the links to Laith's uh, website and where you can find him on social media. So definitely check that out. Um, we do want to really quickly, before we, we move on to uh, the rest of the show, talk a little bit about the Killers Cares event. That's December 2nd at the Lodge Bar and Grill in Kego Harbor. This is a great cause. It's an event that's put on every year. We had a little hiatus because of the pandemic. We were all... Uh, disrupted by the pandemic, but that comes back this year. There's going to be some fantastic live auction. Or I guess it's silent auction items. There's going to be uh, probably a few things auctioned from the bar. I think usually Woody does something with a round of golf yeah. at Oakland Hills with uh, Woody Woodruff. Um, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure Mickey Redmond will get up there to to pass the hat, and you'll see all sorts of superstars behind the bar, including our own Drew Lane. Fell, how are you going to be back there, right? I should be, yeah. Yep. And I think white boy Rick, Rick Worshy, is going to be there, which is unique and well, interesting. He's got his own weed company now. Yeah. yeah, he does. Yeah, which, you know, good for him. Yeah, this this time he'll be he'll be selling only legal um, intoxicants, exactly. which would be a <laughs> yeah. nice change for Mr. Worshy. And um, and uh, I would be there, but I'm going to be out of town. So uh, so please check it out you can find it on facebook killer cares uh you can donate there's been some generous sponsors please go in there and bid and get involved because we need your help these help children charities and it's it's a great cause and we all want to show support for the uh, the guy who puts it on matt riley who supports every one of us who does our own charitable endeavors it's all about uh goodwill uh towards all another so. guy who usually shows up there is our buddy luke nowacki who's a sponsor of the show oh yes overreactions not the strategy for the long-term investor neither is burying your head in the sand and hoping it all turns out for the best so call our buddy luke nowacki pinnacle wealth 248-663-4748 for rational financial advice stocks bonds 401ks 529s all that stuff no one knows what it is Call Luke, get advice, get a strategy. Luke Nowacki, Pinnacle Wealth, 248-663-4748. Because when you call Luke, 
He'll make it all about you, sweetheart. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Member FINRA SIPC. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Oh man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? So I, I think... Uh, Legally, I'm required to disclose that we really didn't bump Christina Aguilera for late. Oh, okay. Thanks, G. She, I was uh, worried about that. Yeah. According to uh, according to her lawyers, we still have to stay at least 500 feet away. So so she probably will not be joining us until until that's expired. But this week's Geek of the Week, let's, let's see where you end up on this one. Um, West Japan Railway Company docked a train driver's play, pay 30 seven cents because he was one minute late to work now we are pretty strict about starting on time here at the soul of detroit so if we were going to dock somebody's pay for being a minute late it's this would be this would be a financial crisis the company cited its strict no pay no work policy now you may know that the uh, railway in japan and in a lot of europe is known for being precision if you are waiting to make up your mind when the train is supposed to leave you are too late that is going to leave and in japan they take great pride in this but the driver says he wasn't to blame because for whatever reason he went to the wrong platform and so he had to hustle over to the right platform mm. and so he was only one minute late uh starting his shift so so he quite reasonably says you're going to dock my pay for one minute well, it turns out he's suing not only to get the payback, which amounts to 37 what? cents, but also to get 11 cents in overtime, he says, this kerfuffle cost him. But get this. Wait, so who's the geek here, him well, or the company? That's, that's, that's where we're headed. He's also suing for 2.2 million yen in pain and suffering and mental anguish. Now, that amounts to 19,000 U.S. dollars, 19132.93 to be precise, because we want to be precise when we're talking about a company that docks somebody for being one minute late. So my question to you, gentlemen, is who is your geek of the week? The company for dinging this guy for oh, being a boy. minute late, or the guy who claims that being cheated out of one minute's pay Both. and 11 cents overtime Both, because the only cost $19,000 in mental anguish? The winner will be the lawyers that get to handle this, because they'll, they'll just make their money. Handling the case. I mean, why don't you just pay the 37 cents? But it's a stupid rule to begin with. Oh, wouldn't that be awesome if the employee goes to the employer and says, I'm going to settle this case for the 37 cents you owe me, and the lawyers get a third of it because that's their contingency. So yeah. they do all that legal work, and they get something like 15 cents. 16 cents, 12 cents. Well, who do you no. think is the... Uh who is the big uh, geek here? What are you doing over there, Sean? He's, he's trying to get this back. It's about to pull off over here, and I don't want to. The microphone says after <laughs> after being massaged by Leith El Sadi, I'm not sure I'm I'm willing to put my hands in the uh, myself in the hands. Scrubbed of his beard, fellow uh, fellow Ann Arborite. Yeah, no, no. I just want to say it was it was great to have those guys on, and uh, what a musician. You're not right? paying attention, are you? What a musician. To, no, they're both ML's geeks, whatever. Question. No, I I've got to run. I got a deadline to what? meet. But um, it was really nice having those guys in here. <laughs> great musician. They're both Geeks of the Week. That's fine. The Smiths are great. I know that's coming up. No, whatever, wait. No, no, no. You can't leave. Whatever just the pick, feedback is, uh, Mike and I love each other. Um, that's not true. Liar. Anyway, so, yes, so they're both Geeks no, of the Week. No, that is Sean true. Is, Sean is decreed. Okay, let's go to... <laughs> 
Sean's in a hurry. We gotta move on. Sean's, Sean's in a big rush. <laughs> Hey, if you're in a big rush and you need to get your um, home refinanced, I know what you should do. You should call 866-CALL-HALL or go to the website Call Hall First. See what you can do for refinancing your home. Get a free five-minute mortgage review. Uh, see if you qualify for Hall Financials. No appraisal. Eight-day close. That's how fast they can do it. Tons of five-star reviews. I think there are over like 5,000 five-star reviews now. Check them out. Call Hall First, 866-CALL-HALL, NMLS number 146-7435. That's right. Call Hall Financial. I've done two deals with Hall. Both of them have worked out fantastically. When you give them a call, ask for Dan Morrison and make sure whoever you answer the phone, that you let them know that ML Soul of Detroit sent you. So last week we, we played uh, one of the more popular selections we've had in Room 7609 in a long time, The Church. And of course, it led to an ad hominem attack on the Smiths by, by Sean Windsor. We've been trying to put together a new theme month. So far, the only suggestion we've had is... Uh, uh, show uh, movie soundtracks featuring new wave artists, which I think uh, may be a good one. If you have an idea for a theme month, please let us have it. In the meantime, because of Sean's uh, extreme ignorance over the cultural significance of the Smiths, we're launching Morrissey Month, starting the with, with the apropos <laughs> because of my poor education. So, so what do you guys think? It's uh, 
It's a, it's a, I like a, it. It's a seaside from Morrissey's first solo. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like it. So, uh, you know, I just, I don't, I've been so long since I've heard those guys, and, you know, I was usually not all the way in reality when I used to listen to him. He so. pulled a switcheroo on you. It was Scratch Acid, and you did figure it out during the show. Sean's favorite band, Scratch Acid, <laughs> which, he prefers, favorite band. which he prefers, well, you prefer them to the Smiths. I prefer the Church to the Smiths for sure. But you prefer Scratch Acid too. I like no, that song. I, to the Smiths. No, they're fun. I mean, for what you hate they the Smiths. are. I don't hate the Smiths. Why is it about the Smiths now? I like the Smiths. I didn't say last week I hated the Smiths, did I? No, I didn't think so. I thought I was talking about people that <laughs> love the Smiths, not actually the Smiths. <laughs> but just because, but I, could, but I could be wrong. Just because you're not nuts about the Smiths and Morrissey doesn't mean you hate them. No, I don't hate the Smiths. No, I'm, I'm talking to I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna check I'm gonna check the tape. I do like the Smiths. So, I was so talking uh, more about people that you know worship them. That's. Uh, well, you can like a band without worship, but that's Scratch Acid. I, I think um, the big question is, did you did you not like it, ML? I'm not sure what the point of it was. I, I so I like punk and I like uh, I like uh, all kinds of uh, thrash and, and different genres, but I I just um, it's uh, noise rock. Yeah, I'm not sure what what uh, uh, the Scratch Acid's right up there with Test Department for me, but. Uh, but that's okay. I just I just thought we no would, we'd coming have from a, a man who loves show. fight good fight the good fight, <laughs> fight, the good fight. which is, is triumph. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Which is I. It's like watching a good bad movie. It's like watching Rocky. You know what I mean? Mm. So uh, that's <laughs> so bummed. Scratch acid to, better, better than the Smiths or First Blood. Uh, How about that? Better than the Smiths. Better. No one said they were better than the Smiths. Nobody ever said anything. I, I like think it, it speaks for itself. It really no, the church. Said. It just, it just though, stands yeah. out. I liked it. So we're looking for your new wave suggestions, as always. If you have a, a new wave hit maker that had something that somehow just didn't quite pop, please send that suggestion along to us. Or if you have a band that was producing at least scratch acid caliber music but never really broke out, we would love to know more about them. And we are looking to put together a theme month. If you have something like... Uh, I know we've done new wave covers, but maybe we haven't done new wave bands covering non-new wave music i think we did non-new wave bands covering new wave music but if there's a if there's kind of a new twist on this that you're looking for please let us know we did christmas music last year you can find our christmas show uh in our back catalog at mlsolvedetroit.com where you can find it on uh, itunes we did all new wave christmas tunes uh, i don't mind doing that again for november but i'd like us to try and and bring some new stuff out there so please your suggestions are what make this one of the most popular features on the show. Um, so come on, get cracking. Uh, we also are doing a little business ourselves. Like like Lath, we uh, rely on your donations. So we would appreciate it if you would give generously to the show. Mark, how do people go about giving us their money? Go to ML Solo Detroit, little donate button there if you want to donate. If you want to get something back for your money, there's a little store button there. That will take you to our holiday store, which I believe is only open for about another week. Uh, kind of a pre-buy thing. But, um, yeah, any any amount, uh, we'll take it. We need it. Yes, we, we would like and I your, like the gear, too. So Yeah, we, we'll take your donations. Last week, Kelly sent us 30 bucks, saying, courtesy of the Ann Street Girls. So uh, hmm. I'm not sure what that means unless there was some crazy night that one of us forgot. Uh, perhaps uh, Sean has a... a a uh, incriminating story behind all that, but the Ann Street girls, we thank you. Bryant sent us uh, a generous donation as well. So just keep up the good work, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. So thanks, Bryant, and of course, our regular supporter, Kristen. 
Claxon as she does every month, and we encourage you to make us part of your monthly giving. Think of us as like public radio, but interesting. Um, Kristen says, happy Thanksgiving to you all. And I think she's Thank speaking you. to everybody out there, not just to the three of us and, of course, John and Laith and Layla and Drew, who's upstairs <laughs> waiting for us to get the hell out of here. Um, we also would like to to thank everyone who has subscribed to the show, uh, who shares the show when it's posted, who rates the show, and who just keeps us in their prayers. You can find our live broadcasts every week and the replay later at Facebook page ML, no periods, Elric. So that's just ML, then Elric, E-L-R-I-C-K. You can follow us at Twitter. Uh, I mean, on Twitter, at Elric, E-L-R-I-C-K. We'd appreciate the follow. And we are now broadcasting our episodes live on YouTube. That's my YouTube channel, M-L-E-L-R-I-C-K. We love it when you rate the show, and we've gotten some very interesting ratings in the past week, including one from Bitch, who gives us five stars under the headline, I guess Mom Do Knows Best. <laughs> Bitch writes, I'll take it. I love when the bald guy argues with the fat tub of lard. I'm not sure. Do you get the reference? I get the reference, but I'm wondering if this is works on every level. I, I knew the reference right away, because it's an old Simpsons reference. I love watching a bald guy argue with a fat tub of lard. <laughs> it's a Siskel and Ebert uh, joke. And of course, bitch is, uh, is, uh, recalls our good friend, the late, great Mike yeah. Clark, as does the, I guess Mom Do Knows Best, which is one of the... That's Ricky Henderson, yeah. Classic Drew and Mike drops. So, bitch! Thanks. Uh, Liam Liam 23 Mac gives us one star what? under a review entitled ML Needs to Look Better in the Mirror. Well, I, when you don't look good, it's hard to look good in the mirror. But I think he means look at myself in a critical way, in a thoughtful way, in a reflective way, because mirrors are known for their reflective powers. He also offers this feedback. Wow, what a poor sport. ML can dish it out, but he can't take it. Love how he is the only one that cares or tries hard also. There's some grammatical errors in there, but we're not going to point that out because that'd be petty. <laughs> Liam23Mac says, What a joke. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I guess, uh, I guess that mirror's not going to happen. <laughs> the, the mirror's cracked. <laughs> I guess you're not going to look in the mirror. Dustin G gives us five stars in this thoughtful reflection under the headline, Excellent Podcast. This is a great listen with a level approach to real-world issues. ML is a brilliant reporter. I wish there were more like him. Sean Windsor is a great personality for the podcast that helps keep Mike in his place with witty quips and digs. Yes, he did on his own say witty. Um, (laughs) I hope that there's no more fighting as genuine as the argument may have been I just don't think it's time well spent. So Dustin G, the original G. Oh no, I mean he's right. It didn't accomplish anything, but it was nothing. fun. Nothing. You're right. Thank you, Dustin. It helped us to reveal that Sean risks his life every single time he touches a keyboard. So we will try and keep it on the on the up and up. Um, will not let anything go. No, this man is this man. He could die today. That needs to be acknowledged. I've made my sacrifice and moved on, but he lives a life of of peril. Never let anything. No, he doesn't. Just by the way, how is it? How do you enjoy living in the street now that you, you know? Uh, Actually, I'm sorry. sorry. Don't start it. I I do. 
I do have. Okay. Uh, no, no, no. I don't want you to ask that. I don't want you to answer that question. What's the next thing? I did program just, notes. I did just pick up two non-paying jobs. I've been asked to join the Eden Gardens Community Association board, and I and found you're out. Ann Arbor, and you're still doing your, this show. And I, left, I, I, yeah, uh, I guess we can talk about Ann Arbor this week. Now it's cool. But we and I did just on the way here find out that uh, I've been appointed to the infrastructure committee. Or no, I found out after the fact that I agreed to serve on the infrastructure committee. For St. Ambrose Catholic Church, so uh, so I got I got two new jobs. That's awesome. Neither of which pays, but um, what about the program notes? Well, Greg actually, Greg sent us an email too. I was having some computer problems, so I couldn't get to this earlier. Greg says, "Sorry, but I can't listen to you anymore. You should listen to Sean." Sadly, you don't, because you seem oh. to be too interested in your own cute response than listening to his advice. I, for one, do not find your jousting with Sean or your long-winded answers to be entertaining. I've listened for over a year and have purchased from your sponsors. I even want you to win the election in Detroit. Beware of the listener who leaves. Oh, yeah. No, we know. Is this real? And does not tell you why. Is this real? So I I wrote back to Greg and I said, um, can you tell me what some of those best suggestions are so I can follow? I I assume it's real, yeah. Listen to him. He's got words to say. And Greg basically had no answer. And uh, what'd you write back? What's that? What'd you write back to him? Um, I have to pull this up. Sorry, I'm, I'm having it. some yeah, yeah. computer problems. We had a we had a limit a lengthy exchange. Yeah, come convenient. Um, but uh, but I'm I'm going to beware. Although I think he did tell us why he left, so I'm not sure okay. if he was talking about somebody else who left. But anyways, Greg, thank you for writing. Uh, although I know you can't hear me because you're not listening to the show anymore. So uh, Greg's friend, please tell him. <laughs> or Greg's dog, who knows how to work a lot. Well, I don't want anyone to yeah. stop listening. So. Patricia. Says, hi, if you're recording today, of course we are. I would love to hear ML, Mark, and Sean discuss the absurdity of $100 million to an obvious charlatan coach who got lucky with the Heisman running back transfer, a loophole since closed. MSU currently has a budget deficit. Enrollment is down. Admission stands are down. No cafeterias, no working camera to find the missing teenagers walking from one dorm to another and still a $600 million bond to pay off. Matt Ishbia needs to go by the Pistons, not use the Spartans as some pseudo-pro sports toy, which we'll all be on the hook for. Also, I'd love to hear ML discuss J.C. Reindel's major Sunday edition piece on the Hudson's boondoggle. No response oh. from Bedrock? Very sketchy. Two more years to finish the 11-story thing? A joke. Wishing the trio a lovely Thanksgiving. So Patricia that has was been... a good piece. She's been dogging the media for a long time about not writing about this uh, Hudson's project... Uh, so I think we should give credit where it's due. The free press did write about this, whether or not bedrock's answers are satisfactory is a leave to those who read the story, which you can find at freep.com. It is subscriber only, but you really should subscribe just so that Sean doesn't ask for a raise from us. But, uh, the piece said that this is delayed partly because of, um, the, the lack of demand or the, the reduction in demand for office space and, and other things downtown. But it also points out that in Chicago where they have some experience building skyscrapers, things seem to be getting done on time and on schedule. So uh, very interesting. I think the pandemic was a little too convenient. Well, I mean, I think Gilbert is it was so taking forever. Out. It was taking forever before that. It was it was taken a while, and they've they've altered it from being the tallest in Detroit to being you know shorter than the Renaissance Center. So it's an interesting topic. Meanwhile, um, they get a great deal with with no clawback. So well, as anybody who yeah, paid attention to my I city know. council campaign knows, clawback is was one of our our key provisions to uh, to changing the way we do things here in Detroit. 
but uh, but yeah, massively supported with uh, brownfield credits. I think I think uh, JC reported is one hundred ninety seven million dollars in credits, and the whole project's a billion dollars. So that sounds like twenty percent. I mean, it's very complicated, but it is interesting to see as it as it as it rises from the ground that other cities continue to keep their projects on schedule. In in the part about the Mel Tucker uh, contract, I mean, it is Ishbia's money. It's not coming from the university. The university should probably invest in some of the things they mentioned in the email. Um, I don't know. I mean, Mel Tucker, he has the leverage, right? He was, uh, there's a lot of talk about him to LSU. I have no problem with him getting the money wherever it comes from. Well, I think everybody here knows that I think the economics of college sports are just completely jacked up, and we could be here for another hour going through that. But but I don't see how Ishbia putting his money on the table affects admission standards, uh, the budget deficit, cafeterias working. Uh, of course, Brendan Santo, who's missing, if, if you sure. look on my uh, Twitter page, at Elric, you'll see a flyer as I was asked to share, asking for people to help, and I think anybody who has a child knows this is your worst nightmare, and, and I think we all are praying that uh, this young man is returned to his family safely. But uh, I think one thing you could argue is that this will help enrollment at Michigan State because what we have seen is when college programs are more successful, demand to go to those universities increases. I can't imagine where Alabama would be if Gene Stallings was still the coach. We wouldn't even be talking about that. I believe it was Don Canham said that the football program, the athletic department, is the front porch to the university. That's what everyone sees first. He should have been watching the back door a little closer, too, but that's another so topic. So that was coming. But, um, but no, I, I mean, I, I know the number of people. When I go out of town, the number of people I see wearing Spartans gear is, is much higher than it was before Mark D'Antonio was the coach. And and my only complaint about Mel Tucker, I don't know if he asked for this money or if this is being offered to him to try and keep him from, from having a yeah. wandering eye. But, but the thing I hated about Perlis, the thing I hated about Saban and the thing that I loved about D'Antonio is there was never a question what job the coach wanted. Saban and Perlis just leveraged everything. Perlis helped get rid of a university president because of his ego and his and his drive for power, and it was disgraceful. And Michigan State lost a great president. But with Mark D'Antonio, who was handsomely compensated and got raises along the way, he didn't work for free. He was he was he was taken very well care of, especially at the end. But you knew he wanted to be the coach of the Michigan State Spartans. That was the job to him. And my only objection to all this money being shoveled at Mel Tucker is other than changing the whole coaching pay scale, Ryan Day is probably going to want $200 million now, is that it makes me wonder, does he want to be the coach of the Spartans? Or does he want to be the coach of the Spartans as long as he can get a lot of jack out of the job? And I have a problem with that, but that's just me. I don't see any of this in the rundown. but <laughs> Just... Saying. What's on the latest Carlos and Sean podcast? Sean, I, I oh, thought you hated it when things were written sports, down. Sports, sports. No, I just am on a seriously messed up deadline. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, so Carlos and Sean's podcast has sports. Sports, sports. <laughs> Fantastic. Gonna, no, we'll, we'll probably talk about the money, maybe, with Mel Tucker. I don't know. Is that still We'll talk about uh, Michigan-Ohio State in the big there game and Harbaugh's yeah. opportunity. That'll be the number one thing we talk about. Can the Lions win a game? Are the Red Wings sneaky, sneaky good? Can they sweep into the playoffs? You're going to talk about the cheap shot. And how about Isaiah Stewart uh, chasing after LeBron? Yeah, after Mm -hmm. a cheap shot. 
It was a cheap shot. It was absolutely a cheap, a cheap shot, shot from LeBron. But Stewart was a little. He was a little manic. It's okay. Yeah. He's uh, he's an, he's got a, a past. He likes to box. I mean, he's a tough guy. Very tough guy. So, he was, uh, as I wrote, I he was you, fortunate it, he got held back. You know what's funny? Makes me like him. It makes me more interested in the Pistons. If he'd gotten there, what was he going to do? If he'd gotten to LeBron, what was he going to do? What was his plan, right? I mean, we'll probably not. That. I mean, maybe he knew it. He's be twenty strong. years younger. Yeah. I think he's yeah. going to do some damage to the. Well, kid. that's what I'm saying. He he could have with one he used to box with too. one swing ended his career. Right? Oh I mean, wow! What if? Hey, he, he would have ended his own career and maybe so LeBron's. Right? Ask Rudy Tomjanovich what one oh, yeah. blow. No, exactly. No, 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 no. Speaking no. of Permit. great, Wolverines. I mean, when you see that kind of rage for yeah. sure, and you think, "Oh my God, what if he actually gets to his destination?" I mean, I'm half joking, but you know, I, I would love to see LeBron scared because of that cheap shot. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen a player with that kind of blank yeah. rage I'd on like his to face. See LeBron speak out about China the way Naomi Isaki has. Yeah, or Enos Cannon. Well, she's partly Japanese and then not really fans of each other. So so you think she doesn't really care about the safety of a fellow tennis player or about fascism? Oh, okay. Wow. I tried to give an, no, athlete, uh, I tried to give an athlete some credit. I guess that was my mistake. Uh, no, no, no. She's, she's actually great, yeah. So that's what's on the show. Thanks for holding your place. Uh, yeah, podcast. well, I was at the Malice at the Palace. and uh, That's not on the run that either. <laughs> Do you want to write some stuff? I'm joking. Man, I'm it joking. burns. But I'm um, joking. but I'm the joking. Uh, the uh, continuing your story from 1980. Uh, Cyrus, me. take us out. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, what happened at the Malice oh, of the now Palace? Now you want to hear it. You and I went to a party together after the Malice of the Palace. I remember that. Cyrus, where are you, my brother? Can you dig that? Can you me? dig it? Can you dig it? <laughs> The presentation of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service.